What do the latest CPI numbers tell us? Don't believe everything you read. Are we still creeping towards a recession? How's the Fed going to act this time? And what should you do to prepare accordingly? The Watchdog on Wall Street explains. Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. If you're a regular listener, then you've heard me talk about Keltec and all the reasons why they're one of my personal favorites when it comes to firearms. Privately owned family company, Keltec has been making one of a kind American made firearms since 1995. Driven by creativity, Keltec doesn't just copy other weapons on the market. They innovate new ones, including the new P50. The P50 platform is based around a 50-round double-stack magazine, which lays horizontally along the top of the grip. The 5.7 cartridge comes in several variants, from sporting, hunting, to personal defense. And with how easy it handles its smooth shooting, because it's well-balanced and thus accurate, you can definitely see Keltec's reliability and quality at work. The P50 is fun on the range, but it's also great for serious home protection. To find out more about the P50 and all other Keltec weapons, and products, check out keltechweapons.com. That's K E L T E C weapons.com. Keltech, creating innovative quality firearms to help secure your world. Keltechweapons.com. As we found, uh, we found a handful of documents were failed, uh, were filed in the wrong place. We immediately turned them over to the archives of the Justice Department. We're fully cooperating, looking forward to getting this resolved quickly. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. No regrets. <laughs> no regrets. That's, that's Biden today. Oh, man. I'm telling you what. Welcome, welcome to the show. Dana Lash here with you. And uh, thank heavens it's Friday. Your lovable little curmudgeon. So the president spoke about this just, uh, I mean, just a little while ago. And I don't know why he would be, I don't know. Do I, I don't understand what he means by no, no regrets. Like, what do you, what, like you, you don't regret like having your classified documents all over the place? I mean, what, what do you not regret? I'm curious. It's kind of a mess, man. He's it's a kind of a mess. He's I, I'm not like I said, I, I just it seems like such um, a very final statement to make. I, I don't know. It's just I, I'm, I'm he really wouldn't have accountability for anything. He really didn't want to address anything. It's, it's just weird. And so this is this is the the big thing that's happening today. He just doesn't really, you know. And the other the the thing though, and there was an interesting piece over at the Washington Post. This is how I know this is demapo, because the Washington Post says inside the White House document strategy and its pitfalls. So here's the the real story with this is that apparently the White House has known about this this entire time, and they try to hide it with the DOJ. That's apparently and it didn't work out very well. That's kind of, I mean, the, the White House knew, they kind of knew it, and they really just, I mean, they knew what was going on, and they were trying to work with the DOJ to hide it. That probably explains why you had DOJ folks there, honestly. when Remember, we were like, why are there DOJ? Why do we got DOJ there in the driveway? Well, then now you know. So I'm just, the whole thing, I find it, um, 
I don't know. I don't know if he's gonna if he's gonna take any accountability for this at all. But I know that if anyone's going to get him to, it's I think it is going to be his own side. Actually, it's going to be the people who think that he's just too old, too you know he's done. He doesn't have coattails, and those are going to be the people that are going to uh, I think make it to where he can't. He has to be ineligible going into twenty twenty four. So that's ultimately, I think, how it's going to happen. But the fact that you have some of the stuff coming out WAPO, dude, this is absolutely, this this is Demopo written all over it. It's that's all it. I mean, they they gave it to WAPO for crying out loud. The whole democracy dies in darkness, people. And so he's trying to downplay it. There's nothing there. Oh, there's nothing there. That's even if there's nothing there. What does he mean by there's nothing there? There's nothing there as in he didn't have classified documents stored all over God's green earth. Is he saying that there's nothing there and that there isn't anything compromising in these highly classified documents that had stamps all over him saying highly classified documents? I mean, they weren't in his garage where his crackhead son blacked out. I mean, what, what do you mean there's nothing there? That's not for him to make. De- that's not his determination to make. Not his determination to make. So this was like late yesterday afternoon when he was asked if he had any rats about keeping the docs and possession the whole possession of it a secret before midterms so but his statement too i want to i want to focus on that for a quick second did you hear the way that i i phrased the question because that's how it was asked does he have any regrets or did he you know he he was asked whether or not you know was it a mistake to keep these documents in his possession he didn't say that he didn't have them and that it wasn't a crime he just said he had no regrets that's all he said very interesting I found that really interesting. He's like, look, we found a handful of stuff. It was filed in the wrong place. We immediately turned it over to the archives and the Justice Department. And he's like, we're fully cooperating. We looked at getting this resolved. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. Are we, though? Because, you know, Corinne Jean-Pierre also told us, I think you're going to find that, you know, or she, no, she didn't say, I think you're going to find. She said that the investigation was, what did she say? Complete? Yeah, she said it was complete. The investigation's complete. It's all done. And then all of this other stuff came out right after she said that. I read this piece where it said that uh, there's this wide um, shared opinion that she is one of, if not the worst press secretary in the television era. She, She really isn't good. I mean, I don't say that to be... You know, when she first came out, when Jen Psaki was press secretary, remember, I even said she seems, you know, like a little happy. She seems nice. Well, that's because she didn't have to do this the whole time. Now that she has to do it the whole time, she is, she's not prepared. Now, I know there's some things that she just actually can't speak on. I get that. You know, she can't sit here and talk about this investigation in a way. I thought Ari Fleischer made a great point. Um, I was reading something from him earlier. He, she was, she can't, she ultimately can't compromise herself as press secretary. That's a long story of it. She can't sit here and, and act like witness to this. So, there's there's a line but she just doesn't know how to draw it because she doesn't i don't believe she has that relationship adversarial or not with the press corps and it's kind of important you know it's pretty important so i just you know i don't know i'm now a couple of things the get into this because we're getting more information out about the because you had the whole um, charging of Alec Baldwin. Yesterday we were covering that. 
Apparently, one of the guys who's involved in this, I, th- I think the district attorney who, behind the indictment is a Republican or somehow they, they think that, he, that she's a Republican. And the left thinks that that's somehow, is that like a defense? So does that mean Alec Baldwin didn't shoot her and kill her because the DA is a Republican? I'm just asking because that's really the way that you know, it's really the way that it seems like. Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm wondering here. So the media is trying to run defense for, I think, for some of the left, including CNN, going back to the classified doc thing. They said that most of the time it's completely accidental. That's how they said. Yeah, no, no, no. That's how they said it. Even the, with Trump? Huh? Even with Trump? No, no, that's D different. Oh. No, t- definitely not with him because he's, he is literally, he sprung from the loins of Satan himself. So no, you can't. He's different. That's why. Okay. Yeah, totally different. And that's, you know, that's what makes it all okay. Now, they said that in this piece, I was actually reading this transcript of the CNN segment. Um, It was Katie Lillis. She was saying that, you know, the intelligence community, they say that this, this stuff happens all the time. You know, there's just like a couple of times you get a classified document that ends up here or there. And it's, you know, I mean, only a few times does it ever actually result in criminal proceedings. She says that she said, quote, classified spillage happens almost every day. Most of the time it's accidental. So why is it that they're getting this? This he's getting this pass. What he did is exponentially worse in 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 any. If you think what Trump did was bad, then on your scale of severity, this is exponentially worse. And CNN's running defense for him. I mean, and Caitlin Collins who started at Daily Caller, this is how everybody does. They start, I don't dislike her. I just think, I always question how, you know, the, the character and core of people who, it seems like their politics change depending on the masthead that they write under or the entity that they're with. You know, I'm like, be, if you're going to be a moderate at CNN, be a moderate. If you're going to be a moderate at Daily Caller, be a moderate. Don't act like, you know, you're hard right at Daily Caller and then you're hard left. I don't know. It's just weird to me. And I realize that there's pressure to do that, but I really think that some of the best reporters don't cave to that. So I was, you know, hoping that wouldn't be the case here. But um, CNN in this in this segment, I mean, they were even saying, Collins was even saying, oh, well, you know, I've heard from so many Democrats and Republicans, you know, that this happens. I don't really think so, because with Trump, everyone was acting as though he had the secret to the creation of the world kept in Melania Trump's underwear drawer at Mar-a-Lago. I mean, it was wild the way they treated that. You remember all the stuff that they said about that? They acted like didn't wasn't there a story? Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't there a story at one point where they thought that they acted as though he had um, nuclear codes or something? Oh yeah, no, that was like almost out of the box when they first talked about him having classified documents. (sighs) They wanted the worst assumptions to be out there ahead of it all. You know, he could uh, you know have uh, classified documents. It's uh, you know very much could be a possible thing here. You know, just just saying it could be. Oh man, it's so lame, so lame. So this is some of the stuff that we're, we're watching today. Also, I got to tell you this. Let me share that. Here's another one. So there are two hit pieces that came out on Biden in WAPA. And the second one is that they're saying that he was named. Well, one of them was cited by WAPO. But um, this email, this, this China deal, let me pull this up. This China deal. So there was this 2017 email discussing a million dollar deal with the, I mean, ultimately the CCP. 
It was a Louisiana lawyer writing to his brother Jim. He'd arranged a call with a former VP and his son Hunter to discuss the purchase. It was this million, multi-million dollar gas deal with China. It was in October of 2017. Louisiana-based lawyer Robert Fennett was on the U.S. side of the deal. He wrote in an email that he had arranged a call from Biden and Hunter, uh, the Bidens, on Monday to discuss the purchase of this five, mil- 5 million tons of gas. And so he was named in this email. And said, uh, yeah, it was the gas sale, and he, he, he sent it. They've, they got the date stamp, all that on there. So there's, there's, there's even more, and this is all LNG. They said we can get, begin supplying LNG in 2018 at a rate of three, four, five, or 6 million metric tons. Uh, on a five-year basis and I mean they're talking about you know they said if your client purchases a 25-year stream at LNG I can build up the, I can build a plant for 12 billion dollars so they're they were talking about getting into all of the energy so at the same time they're sitting here you know putting all these restrictions on oil and gas they're making fat bank off it and they're making fat bank on it in conjunction with China just wild so coming up we've got a whole bunch of stuff still to hit and this uh i saw that the latest on this thing i saw that uh alec baldwin and his wife his wife stepped out in a shirt that said empathy i've never seen any people who are as toned up as these two it really is something she's the woman who cosplayed as a spanish person and she was born and raised in boston his wife remember this whole story and she faked an accent she even went on a cook uh, was an nbc cooking show acting like she couldn't say the word cucumber how do you say how you say cucumber? She acted like she could barely speak English. And then she got busted like, um, you were literally born and raised in Boston and went to college in the United States. What is your problem? You went on vacation to Spain a few times and you literally now act like you're a native Spanish individual. So we're we're going to just absolutely toned off. We're going to get into that. We also have the latest uh, got some legislation to hit and so much more. We also have uh, wokery, all that. Friends, 2022 is history. Have you thought about what you'll do in 2023? How you will make it better than last year? Every new year is a new opportunity, so I have a great way for you to make the most of this one. This year, resolve to become a better educated American. And the good folks at Hillsdale College have made their amazing online courses free for all who wish to learn. And my challenge to you is just take one of their fantastic courses. You can discover the beauty of the Bible in the Genesis story, or study the writings of C.S. Lewis, or explore the true meaning of America in Constitution 101. There are many more to choose from, and all these self-paced free courses feature Hillsdale faculty and scholars. Visit Dana4FORHillsdale.com and pick one of more than 30 free Hillsdale courses. I hope you'll accept my challenge and resolve to be a more educated American in 2023. Pick whichever course you like at Dana4Hillsdale.com and start your freak online course today. That's Dana4FORHillsdale.com. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So apparently, I guess Greta Thunberg, she was arrested, fake arrested, and then she is now in UAE or something like that. She's, oh no, she's at the, some talks in Dubai to, uh, or something like that, that she's attacking UAE and oil and everything else, saying completely ridiculous, lobbyists, etc., etc. What else does she do? Like, she's not in school. She's old enough to work, but she doesn't work. I'm just curious. I mean, I just, I don't know what she does. I don't know. Uh, George Santos, that one guy, Republican, who lied almost as much as Hillary Clinton, but still is in office because lying isn't a crime in Congress and voters ultimately have the final say. Uh, There's a video showing that he was dressed in drag performing in Brazil. 
I don't know. This is like a this whole thing is a clown show, man. And he's an ugly woman. And uh, he had denied it, and video came out is over at New York Post. Well, you know, then the voters can decide what they want to do. That's, I mean, what else do you want to hear? That's what they that they can decide. Uh, also, a couple of other things: 1.4 million kids left the school system in 2020. So where do they go? If they, if you have over a million kids that left public schools in 2020 on the heels of lockdown and masking and all of this stuff, then where did they go? And traditional uh, the enrollment in regular public schools fell from 81 to 76 percent of total enrollment during that period. And in the meantime, this is interesting, enrollment in public charter schools, private schools, and homeschooling grew by nearly 5%. And I think it's actually still growing. Google is delaying bonus checks. They normally pay full bonuses in January, but this year they're pushing out 20% payments to employees until at least March. They say that the payouts, it's an advance in correspondence to uh, employees, and they said employees were surprised and some confused by the change and they did i wonder what that hmm, i wonder why sounds like hmm, this thing. more new yorkers escaped to florida last year than any year ever in the history of ever recording this apparently it's called a staggering exodus people are are dazed by high taxes and rising crime and so more new yorkers fled to florida in 2022 than any other year in history you know what's going to be funny is that new york accent's going to also turn into a florida accent Everyone's going to, you're going to hear New York accent. People are going to be like, oh, well, it's not really New York. Could also be Florida. They said 64,577 Empire Staters changed their driver's licenses to the Sunshine State version just last year alone. That's according to hard data from the Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles. One staffer in the Jacksonville DMV uh, told uh, uh, the Post that they come in every day and I hear all the complaints. I feel like a therapist sometimes. The worker said that the Venti New York refugees harbor a long list of grievances. And they said that the taxes and crime topped the list. That's not really a surprise, though. I mean, everybody's, you know, it's not a surprise. Uh, woke law requires prosecutors to drop about 69% of criminal cases in New York City. It's some of the most top crime-ridden places in the, in the United States, thanks to the restorative justice. But now there's a new study out. We'll talk about this coming up. 69% of criminal cases drop due to justice, quote-unquote, reforms. Stick with us. we got more in store. Broadcasting here from SHOT Show. Black Rifle Coffee Company set out on a mission to make the best cup of coffee that's ever hit your mug. And I think they've hit that mission straight on. Their dream has been to sell enough premium coffee to build a support network for veterans, first responders, and law enforcement. And thanks to your support, that dream has come true. Black Rifle Coffee is roasted by a veteran-led team of brilliant coffee graders who work tirelessly to roast and bag the highest quality coffee here in America. And the coffee is truly one of a kind and my favorite. Your support has helped Black Rifle Coffee Company expand their team of active duty service members, veterans, and veteran family members. And they were able to donate over 120,000 bags of coffee to veterans and first responders in 2022. Visit blackriflecoffee.com slash Dana and use my code Dana at check out for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash Dana. Use code Dana and also look for Black Rifle Coffee in grocery and convenience stores. Black Rifle Coffee, America's coffee. Listen to the Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here, your lovable curmudgeon. You can listen across the country in an affiliate near you, hundreds of different markets. You can also stream it online, wherever you can stream anything audible. 
And uh, we'll be, this is our last day actually broadcasting here in Vegas. Joining me now, he's like, um, I don't know, his whole family, like an American folk hero family. I don't even know how to describe this family. I mean, he's a legend in this industry. His whole family, him, his dad, and it's amazing what they have been able to do. Anybody who is a fan of 50 Cal, anybody who's a fan of Freedom and Guns, period, they know Barrett Firearms. They know the Barrett 50 Cal, and they know Ronnie Barrett, and they know Chris Barrett, and Chris Barrett, president of Barrett Firearms, joins me right now. It is so good to see you, my friend. Thank you for being here with us. This is a treat. I'm so glad you're able to come and hang out. We, we hung out in Nashville last, and now we are in the other, the other cool city. Yeah, that's right. That, and yeah, because you're, you're, in, you're in Tennessee. I saw you in Nashville. Actually, it was the uh, event with John Rich. I saw you down there. Yeah, we were, uh, what were we doing that night? We were uh, fundraising for Aurora. Mm-hmm. That's so, right. Yeah, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. Lauren, out of Col- yeah. yeah, out of Colorado. And uh, so you're, I mean, I, everybody knows, anybody who knows even remotely anything about firearms, Second Amendment, they, everybody knows Barrett 50 Cal. And, they, and, and there's even more that you've come out with in that because you've also pioneered some stuff. You've also made some super popular rifles and, you know, all of this. But tell me a little bit about it because this year, and having come to, I know I haven't been as many shot shows as you've been at. But it feels a little different. It feels, I mean, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of progression in the technology. But at the same time, everybody's, it feels sort of like everybody's waiting for a shoe to drop, the other shoe to drop, right? Well, that's certainly happen, happening with this, uh, the pistol brace issue. Yeah. That's super hot right now. That is, um, it, it, to some degree, a lot of us have become apathetic because we always get afraid of these things. And really, if we look back at the record over the last few years, we've got some great things since the sunset of the assault weapons ban oh, yeah. in 94. You know, some of us that are younger than me are not going to remember when I had to buy a 10-round magazine and that's all I could get for a Glock, you know. Yeah. Or you couldn't get a 30-round magazine for your AR. Well, now it, we've been in a really good time. Like, we've got this – and we had the designs flourished, right? Like, so all of these things came out. And then somebody came out with this pistol brace, which allowed us to comply with the law mm-hmm. – but uh, be able to enjoy these little short rifles that look cool and are convenient to use and are fun to play with. And now we're going to see it try to be ripped away from us. Mm-hmm. So this may be a little wake-up call for some of us that didn't live through the assault weapons ban. Yeah. And, and you know, so if you're 25, 26, and you've just been enjoying all of these awesome like, – <laughs> You like, don't know the struggle. <laughs> you can get all of the guns from the video games exactly the way you want it. It's the really the golden age, and now we're about to have something pulled away from us. So – you know, maybe we need to wake up. Like, so if you haven't been voting on these things yet, and you haven't been voting uh, on particular, mm-hmm. like specifically on this issue of our rights, well, you might want to pay attention. Yeah, we're talking with Chris Barrett, who's a president of Barrett Firearms and a legendary American folk heroes. I mean, it's like Paul Bunyan. It's like the Bunyan <laughs> family. I don't know how else to describe it. You said something interesting. This is the golden age of firearms. It really is. There's been a lot of technology in a really short period of time that I've noticed. Yeah. And what's allowed that to happen, what has allowed or like, you know, cultivated or, or just been ripe here in this country was our freedom to, mm. to use them. So no one in, um, you know, whatever, name, name your other favorite restricted co- country, they're not <laughs> developing things in their garage because yeah. they can't touch or have, have these things. Yeah. The reason why Ronnie Barrett's exists here and Chris Barrett's and, and all the other guys in this industry uh, is because they could go into the garage, start a business and innovate. Because we had, you know, the the legal that we had the, the God given right acknowledged to be able to do that here, mm-hmm. and that's why we have all these things. You walk the floor here on the shot show, and there's just it really is like you go back if you could find a, a gun magazine from '87, it is just crazy where we are now, and 
you know, our warfighters do benefit from it. Yeah. All, all of these things that people come up with to uh, shoot in competition with, to sh- make us faster in competition or more accurate or just cooler, what those things filter over to our warfighters, to our special forces guys usually first. Yeah. So it's it's really a good thing. It's a good system that works for us uh, in this country to, to acknowledge our freedom. And these are all the benefits we get from it. And and that freedom to be able to go, like you were saying, go in the garage and do it. Your dad, when he started this, I mean, he was he wanted to create something, and there were the the parts didn't exist to create what he wanted. Right. And it, <laughs> this is literally another garage story. Like we always see the photos of the beginning of Microsoft, right. the beginning of whatever. And Barrett was exactly the same way. I can picture the garage in my head. And in fact, Dad got a a photo of it that he showed me just yesterday on his phone. That building is still somehow standing. It's just a wooden shed on uh, a a little downtown street in in our hometown of Murfreesboro. And I I remember it as a kid, you know, double doors that opened up with a padlock in the center and they folded Mm -hmm. open gravel on the floor that dad put. um, He always tells it in his story. He put carpet down over this gravel, just, just to have something to stand on. So you're not standing gravel, but then they realized if they dropped a pin or a small screw, you couldn't find it. (laughs) So they took the carpet and they turned it upside down. Oh, so like now you're standing on the back of the carpet. So if you, at least if you dropped a little pin, you could find you could it. Again, find it yeah. We're talking with Chris Barrett, president of Barrett firearms and uh, here at Vegas and shot show this, uh, I mean, I mean, I've been coming here maybe seven, eight years now. You, you've grew up in this industry. Yes. You've grown up. What have, what have been some of the, just give some of the highlights. Cause I mean this, I don't know anyone. There are a few people that have been able to, you know, like your dad, you know, created this company from, from the ground up. And that's so many of manufacturers. I think there's this, this misunderstanding from people who don't maybe know a lot about the firearms industry. And they think it's all like, you know, big billionaire companies. And then you talk about it in terms of shady arms dealers. And that kind of perpetuates this like stigma against not just firearms and firearm manufacturers, but second amendment and second amendment supporters. But so many of this, so much of this was created by, you know, dads like yours going into the garage and, and seeing a need and filling a need. Talk about growing up with that because you've been there every step of the way. Uh, so if you're one of those people that, that feels that negative way, if you could have been here growing up with me, going to all these things, you would see that these people aren't here for the money. Yeah. Like it's uh, all of these people that started this in their garage on a piece of used carpet on some old wooden workbenches that they, they built or they have, however they bootstrap their company up. These are not big faceless corporations that are here for the money and, and uh, to you know, fuel wars or anything like that. They're they're just people who are um, who are Americans who are self reliant, who are driven and have this initiative and creativity because they have a, a area where it can flourish. And mm-hmm. that's who's here. And I and I have seen all of these people come up through, and I've seen a lot come and go. You know, it's just like anything that works in capitalism. Not everybody makes it, yeah. but um, there's a lot of good folks here that have, and some of them eventually do turn into you know real legitimate companies that are healthy and and profitable and and feed all yeah. their feed all their families of their employees add and to the tax base of their area that's right and then and, and then hopefully for a lot of us we uh we make something that supports our military yeah you know and that's that's kind of the dream we realized uh at barrett yeah exactly one of the things and i'm not going to get like into the weeds with this but it, it this is what i was saying in the beginning when it feels kind of like the other shoe some people feel like the other shoe is going to drop but then you know you made a good point that you've seen things like this come and go mm-hmm. 
and you haven't changed the company hasn't changed what you do hasn't changed there's a lot of people out there like you they just they're you know i keep i keep think of that line from kevin costner in yellowstone i'm the rock against which progress crashes right. Right. <laughs> i sort of i remember that whenever i see this stuff like the atf pistol brace rule or the you know the bump stock rule with the fifth circuit you know they're here i know that there's there's you have to you have to maintain relationships in this structure that exists as it is, regardless of what you think about that structure or you think about that agency, you have to, there, there is a certain thing that you have to do until people change it because voters have to have to do things through their representatives. Talk That's a little, right. yeah. Yeah, so we can, um, we have to continue to progress and work within the system we have now, right. but that does not mean we change our standard. Right. And, uh, you know, so we're going to hold to the standard of what we know is right. What we know is guaranteed by the constitution. We're going to continue to vote that way and lobby that way and, and support that direction. But we, we have to keep going and that that's not bending a knee or compromising. Right. It's, it's, um, it's progress and, and it's persistence. And uh, that's what I think a lot of these folks here are doing. And I've just, I have seen a lot of these scares come along, and we can't take our worries in advance, so I don't get too wrapped up about things until it's real. And when it gets real, what do we always do? Some some champion, some champion group, some champion person, an elected person that we've put up, put up there, mm-hmm. usually rises to the occasion, and we um, we really win more than we lose. That's a good point. I don't I don't want us to get complacent. Right. Like there's still things we need to do. Like there's there's walls you know that have been around since 1968 1934 that need to go yeah, away they, do need, to go they away. do they need to go away and we need people up there that know that understand that and don't forget that but um we're doing all right yeah now yeah. talking with chris barrett who is the president of barrett firearms this um last week thing we'll end it on you know like the cultural headline stuff i know you've seen all the alec baldwin things in the in the news i've seen it pop up all, i haven't read that do you different. all do like stuff with like films and all i know that there's like a whole thing where you know there's there's certain there's firearms and certain films and video games and all that stuff i play video games so i know yeah. um like i mean we just we're going through uh we just finished all halo and now we're going through vermintide which wow. is more melee not really so not really any firearms there yet yeah. anyway we're still in, i'm i think i'm like in the beginning stages yeah we all we all play but the that whole thing. Do you have any like? Does Barrett do things? I mean, I'm sure y'all people, do. Yeah. People ask about this a lot, and here's how it generally happens. Yeah. When you see your favorite gun in a movie, uh, Barrett or whoever did not make that deal with the movie producer or with the actor or whatever. The, there are prop houses in. They all make in, all in, that in stuff. In every area that makes movies. Because you have prop masters that come out to Vegas for shots. Uh, oh, absolutely. They're and, looking to see what they can. Yeah. And I've been to some of the big places in LA, like ISS, and you go in there and. It's an unbelievable armory. So they have yeah. guns from from every kind of you know era genre you want. But then also, if you need a telephone from 1964, they have that also. They got that. They've they have, got everything. They have props like that. So when we see a Barrett rifle pop up in um, in Ben Affleck's hands or or whatever, or in the new Rambo movie, mm-hmm. we don't know that's going to happen until we're sitting in the theater or somebody says, hey, your, your rifle's in this that's movie. That's awesome. Be- because what's happening is the people that are producing the movie go and say, we need a gun that makes our star look big or it looks awesome or like fits this kind of role and those people say hey we let's let's use a barrett for this role this is perfect so that happens and then in the video in the video games it's largely the same way too um sometimes i see our name used like uh my son was showing me one that was in the oculus of the day that 
wow. I mean, that blew my mind. He made me finally put this thing on. I'm like, son, what, what are we doing here? Yeah, what like, is this? Why we are am I wearing fully, this thing on my head? We are fully in the Matrix, and I'm holding, a, and it says Barrett, you know, MRAD, which wild. is the rifle I designed. Yes. So I'm sitting here, and he's showing Hold me your this. Own rifle. <laughs> it is so awkward. Like, I'm looking down, and I can see hands and feet in the screen, you know, in my eyes, and I'm picking up this Barrett rifle and cycling the action and flipping the safety on and off. And, you know, nobody asks us for for permission to do that and generally what what you would do is um you would just be thankful mm. that um that you know a, a future generation of of shooters americans customers are seeing your product yeah. and get familiar with it and you just kind of take it as flattery yeah exactly. you can't get paid if if you ask to get paid for any of those things they'll change a little feature and change the name of it i so, love the fact that you can play something and you can literally choose you know as your loadout like one of your <laughs> Right. One of your own actual guns. That's oh, awesome. my son coming up. Like, can you imagine how cool my son is with his little buddies? You know, they're Dude, playing these games. The ultimate like bragging point. That's oh, amazing. That's awesome. Those other kids might as well quit. Come yeah. On. This the, the the thing with I I was watching some of the headlines coming out about the Baldwin thing, and I you know I'm not going to talk about like the charges or anything like that. But what what I'm wondering, we'll end on this. I I feel like some people are so anti firearm, mm -hmm. and so purposefully ignorant about it that. They it, they make a dangerous environment and they become a danger to other individuals. I'm just thinking, you know, executive producer of a set. If you see unsafe practices, you 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 shut it down. If you know enough, you shut it down. You you know do whatever you have to do to make it safe again for the crew because apparently the crew is walking off. And then you go ahead and you continue filming. I didn't know if you had any thoughts on that or. I would say that their world, as crazy as as it is, Hollywood, is probably a lot like the rest of our world. Injuries and deaths happen all yeah. the time from all kinds of things. There's many facets to this, but how many people in the history of movie making have drowned, True. fallen to their death, had a stroke on the set, dehydrated and died or, or whatever, or had any kind of, of injury? The crow. And, makes me think of the crow. You know, now, and there's a lot of stupid things, yeah. as far as I can tell, that were done with this firearm-related death and this particular thing with the Baldwin deal, but... I mean, like, wow, like it's so it's sensational and it's a yeah. big deal. But, you know, a movie is a production like any other kind of production. And people, and people do get hurt. And some some serious mistakes were made here and it happened. And just like in the real world, um, we hear about every time there might be a shooting or something. But I've been to a children's ER, like a children's hospital in Vanderbilt on a Friday night. There's a whole lot of trampoline and four-wheeler injuries oh in there. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, a lot more than firearms. Back when they had little miniature three-wheelers, <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I was one of those. Oh, and I know that. If, if, anybody called, if anybody cared about keeping people safe, we, we, would be, <laughs> we would be talking about those things, but we're not. Like, I know. We're not, we're not talking about any of that. It's, it's, all, it's, it's sensational. It's all about one thing. Right. Chris Barrett with Barrett Firearms. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Don't be a stranger. We'll Thank you. talk with you again. It's good to so see fun. you, my friend. Yeah, always good to see you. Red meat, black coffee, truth telling. The Dana Show. And, of course, we're going to have all, all of our discussions up on youtube and facebook as well so make sure you check it out yeah chris barrett's i first met him when it was in nashville first met him there he's one of the coolest dudes if you are that so that's like if you're in, into firearms at all, at all that's a nerd moment for you and i'm and you always try to balance like do you want to get in the weeds with stuff i want to just keep it thirty thousand. you know like how do you want to do because we got a lot of people that you know obviously listen to the program around the country and half of them are like us you know, they're really hardcore into it. Like I posted a build of a awesome build of a, of a, a sweet AR-15 that I got 
5150. This thing, my two-pound competition trigger, and they made a point of telling me it's what John Wick uses, the optic from Athlon Optics. I don't even have an optic like this. This is one of the, I, I put, I'm going to post pictures, and I, I'm doing a piece on it because it's kind of like a dream build for that platform, and I'm so stoked about it. So there's people like me that are like, tell us more about that. And then there are people that are like, what are you saying? What are these words? But they want to know more, you know, like they're open to it and they think, you know, they're interested in it, even if it's not something that they think about or do every day. And so, you know, you kind of ride that, you ride that line. But um, no, that was, it's weird when you meet people who do things that are historically significant. And this is going to sound so weird what I'm about to say. And they're still here, like alive. You know what I mean? It's so because like the stuff that they do is like Edison type stuff. It's crazy. Is it weird that all I wanted him to do was do voiceover stuff? Dude, his right? voice. Like, come on. We were talking about that when we got off air. We're like, man, you, he's got the tonality of Sugar Bear. That's right. He, he's got like the smoothest voice. Yeah. Him, you know, George Kelgren, the guy who invented Keltec, you know, he's one of the sponsors of the show. But I mean, he's a, like a mad scientist. There's actually memes about them. They make, they're like, they, they, it's, they say it facetiously, but they're like, oh, the Celtic engineers take crack and then they make guns. Cause it's, <laughs> it's hysterical. We got more coming. We got a second hour coming up. Don't miss anything. More of the Dana show here back after this. The Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski. Every day, Chris helps unpack the connection between politics and the economy and how it affects your wallet and your 401k. What do the latest CPI numbers tell us? Don't believe everything you read. Are we still creeping towards a recession? How's the Fed going to act this time? And what should you do to prepare accordingly? The Watchdog on Wall Street explains. Whether it's happening in D.C. or down on Wall Street, it's affecting you financially. Be informed. Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, America has more than half a million miles of transmission lines, enough to wrap around the globe 24 times. These lines connect the power plants where electricity is created to homes and businesses and schools and hospitals across our nation. Think about it. Every time you turn on a light or charge your laptop or plug in your air conditioner or put leftovers in the fridge, you rely on the power delivered by our nation's network of transmission lines. Well, she's, she's explaining electricity. Holy wow. Okay, all right, you know, that's cool. All right, you got it. She, we know how this all works, though, right? We all, we all understand how electricity works. Welcome back to the show. Dana Lash here with you. Second hour of the program this Friday, broadcasting from SHOT Show in Vegas. Uh, I, <laughs> that's probably one of my favorite sound bites, I think, perhaps from the past 24 hours. Now, so we have this issue. She also said, uh, she was also speaking about the border and Congress. Let's see, I, I do want to play this audio soundbite five because she was very, this I guess was her best offer, best rebuttal as it related to border criticisms listen first of all we have to again get congress to act i can't emphasize that enough i mean governors certainly are dealing with it on the front lines in a place like arizona but the reality is that the people in washington dc who walk around the halls of congress need to do something yeah so i don't know man i'm 
uh, I'm telling you what, conceding, well, the only thing that we can expect is, you know, blaming Congress. That was kind of an, inad an admission of, weird admission of truth there. Well, the only thing that they're going to do is sec on securing the border is blaming Congress. That's pretty much it. All right, so we've got a few other things on this. I have, like, I have a bunch of audio. There's, like, a bunch of weird, you know, just discombobulated stories today that I want to make sure that I bring you. We were talking, we came into the program with the story of uh, Biden, this 2017 email. He's discussing this gas deal with China. And then we also have the story uh, of the uh, more oppo coming out about this. Like, apparently, the DOJ and the Biden administration all knew that they had these this this information these docs and still they they just they hit it they hit it from, i mean there's no other way to put it they hit it from people so i it just i i this in the fact that this came out in washington post there's so much there that suggests real i mean this is an oppo war democrat oppo war and of course then he said there's no there there he said he has no regrets about the way that he all this stuff was kept I got a real problem with that. I got to be honest with you. That's a major, it's kind of a major issue. <laughs> That's sort of a big issue. You know, you got your, your, you, you don't have any regrets from having classified documents literally all over the place. It's kind of a problem. And there's not, I, whether or not there, whether there's going to be any accountability or not, I don't know. Kane, you know, he lost his, uh, he, Hunter Biden lost his laptop oh, with on. all his confidential documents. Something I had to get it in one more time. You know that. Yeah, and guess what? Still haven't heard anything. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So this story, and I'm pulling up. You'll have to bear with me here. I had something that didn't want to cooperate because I had another thing for you here about this. So this story, the whole that with the with the classified document here it is at the at the house, the Delaware House specifically. Do you remember when we had the lockdown? Obviously you do. It was a big thing. Everybody dealt with it. So in his memoir, because Hunter Biden published a memoir, that was back in April of 21, he said that they were spending election night at that Wilmington, Delaware home because they were all, they, they did their quarantine there, their lockdown. And they said that, they had been, you know, the vote counting was dragging on for days and he wrote all about how they had been, it was just him and his family, his new wife staying at the house. And since, and, and this is even going by his own memoir and then also looking at some of the, his movements and press reports at that exact same time, they had, I mean, they can pinpoint where he was. He's, he's been at least since his dad has taken office, he's been at that house and stayed at that house like five other times when, while those classified documents were there. Why, I mean, now that we control the oversight you know, committee, you, you, can't t you cannot tell me there, there's any legitimate objection to bringing him before Congress and, and questioning him. Holy cow, guys. You know, they acted like what Trump did was hurt. Notice how they're not saying a damn thing about Trump and Mar-a-Lago now. Have you, you have noticed that. They're not saying a single thing about that. Well, there's a reason why. You guys want to hear something crazy? I haven't told you about this yet, and very few people know. So, check this out. This is nuts. I didn't even tease this, but you're going to want to hear it. So, 
the other day, I guess, what was this, Wednesday? We did the, it was the Triumph Systems booth visit. So, you know, these vendors here at Shacha, they have Triumph Systems is a veteran-owned. They, they, they actually came out with a really cool dry fire app, and they're doing all kinds of stuff. And they're, they're, they've come up with really awesome police training to help with discernment. It's, I mean, the stuff that they're doing is just so technologically advanced. All mom and pop stuff. Anyway, so while I'm there, check this. This uh, gentleman comes up. And, you know, when people come up, if I'm doing a book signing or anything, I always, especially if it's at a convention, I always look at their names. So I can address them by their name, you know, like I like talking to people. I like one of the reasons I like doing this stuff is because I like meeting you all and I like talking to you. And I, I, I apologize for, for the lines lasting as long as they do, because I sit there and I talk to everybody. I mean, when people buy the book or when they read the book, you know, I take that personal, you know, and I want to get to know people. So anyway, this guy comes up and, you know, I did what I always do. I read his name tag, you know, just in my head. And at this, you know, event, it also has where you're from and what you do, like you're who you're with. So it had his name, and underneath his name, it said U.S. Secret Service. And under where it said U.S. Secret Service, it had Malibu, California. Kane, Kane, um, remind me again, who is important living in Malibu that we've talked about, wondering why they live in Malibu in a big giant mansion? You mean uh, Hunter? Not to mention, y- mm-hmm. not to mention Secret Service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I didn't want to put him, you got to make decisions here fast. I didn't want to put him immediately on defense. And, and because this guy, Secret Service agent, not all Secret Service, just because you're a Secret Service agent and you're protecting a president that might not align with your politics does not mean that that person also shares that ideological viewpoint. They're doing a job. And you got to keep that in mind. People are people. I'm not like the left where I see politics before I see a person. I will never do that. And he was at SHOT Show. Right. And I know you could take that two ways. Like, oh, he was there, you know, maybe he was doing surveillance. I don't I don't look at it like that because he was too. He was talking to people. He was and looking at stuff. He was relaxed. There is a difference between someone who's kind of on duty, who works in that that profession and somebody who is relaxed. You know what I mean? You can tell. And, you know, he wasn't looking and, you know, mapping out the room with his eyes. None of that stuff. He was just relaxed and chill. He was there because I think he he wanted to be there and he enjoyed it. And he came up, knew who I was, and, you know, uh, gave me a nice compliment. And um, I saw his name tag and I didn't want to put, like I said, I didn't want to put him on defense. And I said, so you're from, I said, Secret Service. I said, you know, I told him, I said, I appreciate what you do because, you know, I want to make sure our free and fair elections are protected and I don't want ever anything to happen to anyone who gets in the White House. So I said, you know, I appreciate what you do. And I said, I got to ask, though, Malibu. I said, do you, you have a principal there? I said, so you, I go, I, I'm, I'm assuming that that's, you know, you have a, a principal that you're protecting there. And he said, he said, yes, ma'am. He said, uh, we're uh, protecting a, a member of the president's family. You know, president's family has, a president has family in Malibu, and uh, that's why we're there. And I knew, you know, before I asked him, I knew what the answer was going to be. I didn't think he was actually going to say it. I just thought he was going to, you know, be, but you know, I don't know. They did, but it, it was, but he was super nice, but it was very interesting, right? Now you want to know something awesome? This is how he wasn't uh, hyper aware. I mean, he was situationally aware, but he was relaxed and chill. But, and I kind of saw him do this out of the corner of the eye because he wanted to get a picture. Everybody gets pictures. 
And he knew other people were going to be taking pictures, particularly since they saw his name tag. So right before he goes in for a picture, he turned his name tag around. Very smart. Super smart. And you can see him doing it in the photos. Very smart. I'm not going to, I'm not outing this guy at all whatsoever. I, I would not do that because, you know, I appreciate, I, I know, I know, but I appreciate the job that he does. And he, believe me, he did not seem ideological like that. But it was very interesting, you know, a very interesting thing, like Malibu. And then it made me think again, because then you know, I had a conversation with someone there and they were like, okay, can you tell me why is the president's son in Malibu? Malibu, I've, I've only driven past it on the way to an event. Can I be real for a minute? I'm sure it's a lovely area. Can I just be, I'm sure, and I do not mean to disparage anyone who lives there. I'm sure there's probably a big old conservative who loves guns with a secret range in their basement. I don't know. But when we, when we drove past it on the way to a, an event, you know, the thing, you know the beachfront? It was all like houses and stuff packed together side by 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 side. A highway, was it the 101, the Pacific Coast Highway and PCH and then houses packed side by side by side by side, by side together. And I'm like, I, is that the vista? I don't understand. What is the appeal? Anyway, it's like the super ritzy, you know, the ritzy, like I ever, I remember my cousins had a Malibu beach Barbie and a beach Barbie, Malibu beach Barbie house, right? Or Malibu Barbie house. Malibu Barbie was the bougie Barbie, right? Malibu Barbie was like, you know, and I think um, if you pressed a button on her back, she put her hands in her hair. If I'm not, if I'm remembering this correct. <laughs> but anyway, why does he, you know, the person I was talking to, they were like, why does he got to live in Malibu? They don't have any other business. They don't have any reason to live in Malibu. He wants to live in Malibu because he thinks that's the bougie place to live. And he wants to live West Coast bougie. That's what he wants to do. And we, and we pay for, remember, he, we have to provide security for the house. He was renting this mansion. And then he moved to a different mansion. Well, they have to have secret service because the team required to protect him. They also have to have a house there. So I'm like, this is just really interesting. And you know, also too, can you, they put that on the thing. Not that, you put Secret Service on the tag, and then you put Mal because I, I would imagine that that gentleman did not pick. They they do that. That's how they register you. It's just I don't know. Is that the smart thing for Secret Service to do to put that on a tag? I don't know. I think so. I mean, I think I would have maybe understood it if it said Secret Service America, you know, as the location. But man, to pinpoint it like that, everybody knows that he's out there. I just it was weird to me, right? Am I just overanalyzing it? No, I thought it was weird. The whole thing was weird. We got more to come, uh, including I got some wokery. We're also here coming up. Let me pull this up. We're going to talk to Congressman Bob Good. Now, here's why. He's uh, representing the 5th District of Virginia, but he also just introduced a pretty sweet bill to push back on the, uh, well, it's on the that act, that rule from the ATF. He's calling it Protect Individual Sovereignty Through Our Laws, the Pistol Act. And we're going to talk to him about this because whether or not you are into all this, I promise you it will affect you. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Man, so David Crosby is, that's, man, he's uh, passed away. The bird singer, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. He was on Twitter. But that's, I mean, good heavens. So David Crosby, he, uh, passed away just what I'm, what I'm trying to look at the today's date today just well two days ago so i'm a little bit late talking about this but the reason brought it up because i've always liked crosby stills and nash right crosby stills and nash whenever they harmonize it sounds like the sepia tones of a 70s photograph i've always felt like that 
Now, I'm not going to tell you the first thing that my husband said. I actually am. Because, you know, he was the donor of Melissa Etheridge's two kids. Should I? I don't know. Maybe I'll pass. You're going to get lit up so hard on Twitter if I say this. So maybe let's just let's just move on. Let's move on. Let's go. There's enough Karens out there anyway. All right. Uh, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Because we got, we got more. Now everyone's like, Dana, why are you not telling us? Uh, so this Harvard has... Harvard reversed a decision on a role for an, a critic of Israel after an outcry. Kennedy School Dean had refused an ex-Human Rights Watch. had uh, he, he initially refused. Ex-Human Rights Watch had Kenneth Roth a fellowship over criticisms of Israel. They were having a big fight. Uh, whether, I don't know, whether, when they're, I don't know. Harvard has the dumbest fights. Like, all, all the time that they're in the news, it's never for academics anymore. It's always because of this. A San Francisco art gallery owner was arrested for spraying a homeless person, spraying water on a homeless person. I saw this video. Honestly, this it was sad. So this gallery owner, Shannon Collar Gwynn, Collier Gwynn, uh, was charged with misdemeanor battery for the alleged intentional and unlawful spraying of water on and around a homeless person. Uh, a 71 year old was arrested. It was on video. He was caught on video. And there was a, a homeless person that was just sitting there outside of his doors, uh, like actually right across from, I guess, where his gallery was. And he just sprayed water on them. Like that is one of the most heartless things I think you can do. Instead of offering help, that's what you're going to do. That's that's how you're going to ha- handle this. Uh, protesters have erupted in Peru over overthrowing their government. In fact, Peru's president called for dialogue after more than 30 people were injured in a nationwide protest. Uh, they called for dialogue and they wanted political leaders to calm down. And there have been clashes on the streets in the capital of Lima where protesters across the country faced a massive show of force by local police. We have more to come. We have Congressman Bob Good, who's going to talk to us about the Pistol Act. I'll explain what that means coming up. Stick with us. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's chapter and verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at danalash.com. We are broadcasting from SHOT Show, the National Shooting Sports Foundation's industry event. It happens once a year. I haven't been in a couple of years. So we like to come, and even though we focus on all kinds of other issues, there's a little bit more attention paid to 2A stuff, particularly since, especially this year, that ATF rule. So like I said, welcome back, your lovable curmudgeon Dana Lash. You can listen listen on stations across the country, also stream wherever you can stream anything audible. Now, speaking of that rule, the pistol brace rule, this follows after the reversal of the bump stock ban uh, from the ATF, in which the court found that the ATF didn't follow administrative procedure in making this rule that they wanted to treat as law. And it seems as though at least a lot of legal eagles think that this pistol brace rule is going to find the same fate. Now, in the meantime, Congress has been working to push back. In fact, Congressman Bob Good, out of the beautiful District of Virginia, uh, 5th District of Virginia, introduced what is called the Protecting Individual Sovereignty Through Our Laws Act, called the PISTOL Act. And he joins us now on the phone to discuss this, because this is the one of the first pieces of legislation I've seen that, that hits back at this. Congressman, thanks so much for giving us some of your time today. Great to be with you, Dana. Thanks for having me. 
Of course. So tell us about this. I love one of the notes of this. It says, as a federal law enforcement agency, the ATF holds no legitimate authority to enact policy or law. And yet that's exactly what they're doing. It's what they did with, you know, regardless of what people feel about bump stocks, it's separate from the issue that you have an alphabet agency, a bureaucracy here that is that's doing what you're supposed to be doing, Congressman, doing your job, trying to anyway, trying to create legislation or create a law out of a rule. And so tell us about the Pistol Act, because this is I love the point you make in this yes to be clear dana as you know congress literally has no authority to restrict the second amendment rights of law-abiding citizens to begin with as the chief lawmakers we don't even have the authority to do that contrary to the in conflict with the constitution of course we have a constitution for a reason thank god in this country we have a second amendment for a reason thank Mm -hmm. god in this country despite the left hating those things and so congress has no ability even to pass laws to restrict our second amendment rights as law-abiding citizens but certainly not bureaucratic agencies unelected bureaucrats trying to make law by executive fiat do not have the authority to do that and so what this would do of course is to say they can't just redefine a pistol and make retroactive criminals uh, law-abiding citizens who, for whatever reason, want a pistol brace to be able to, uh, to utilize a pistol with one arm, one limb. Many times it's veterans, as you know, who've served and sacrificed our country who are doing that. So we have some lawbreaker who uses that, uses a pistol brace to commit crime, and now law-abiding citizens cannot defend themselves, and we're pushing back and saying no and, uh, and showing what the Republican Party stands for as a part of the Second Amendment. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I love the points that you made there. And, and, and that, you know, with this, you mentioned, too, what the pistol braces, you know, original that what they were originally conceived to do. You know, I read the 290 page rule that the that the ATF issued. And I, you know, I was and I, I was talking to a bunch of people, including some lawyer friends of mine. I had Stephen Hallbrook on yesterday. I found Congressman, I found the whole the whole rule really contradictory and confusing. And there was no that. language in it that I read that, you know, included any kind of grandfathering in for these devices for, dis, you know, disabled Americans who, you know, for whom they were kind of created. Um, it, that seems to be kind of a, you know, one of their major problems, this crazy inconsistency in this. That's par for the course with the left, of course. They want to make criminals out of law-abiding citizens, and they have no authority to do this, but they do it anyway. I think to the point that you made in the opening, you're going to see this challenge and overturn legally. That's unfortunately where it needs to happen because, as you know, no matter what we do in Congress right now with just one one House, we're not going to get it through the Senate. We're not going to get the president to sign it, but at least we can bring attention to it, make Americans aware of what the left is trying to do because, as you know, the Second Amendment is not about hunting or sport. It's not even primarily about self-defense, although that's a critical part of it, but as you know, it's to, to ensure sure we remain a free people and that's why the left hates it so much yeah absolutely i mean they, very much so we're talking with congressman bob good he's uh, from the beautiful state of virginia on this the you know i went to the uh, the atf interestingly enough they have a, a booth here at the nssf event and i went to talk with some of them and just you know kind of ask them about you know, this pistol brace rule. And you know what they told me, Congressman, they were trying to push all the blame on you all. They were saying, well, you know, if you're unhappy with this stuff, you know, you got to you gotta take it up with your members of Congress. You know, they're the ones who kind of do this. You know, we follow the letter of the law. And I said, well, sir, if you follow the letter of the law, then I'm curious as to why it ended up in the Fifth Circuit in the first place. And it was the their previous rule was reversed. They kind of found that you didn't follow the the letter of the law. What it, it, I mean, kind of isn't that the point? They're trying to push it back on you when it should have. I mean, they were trying to take it from you at the same time simultaneously. 
we already have the letter of the law and the highest law of the land, the Constitution says, shall not be infringed. It should end with that. And again, law-abiding citizens, uh, it's mm-hmm. a God-given right. Thankfully, we're unique among the nations of the world where it's protecting our Constitution. The founders had the wisdom of it. And all you have to do is read the extra constitutional writings of the founders to know what they intended to know what they meant when they put that Second Amendment into the Constitution and in the Bill of Rights there. It was intended to to ensure we remain free. It's not to be restricted or limited. So we don't Mm. need more laws. But as you know, what they're trying to do is to to take this and say this is that a pistol with a brace is a short-barreled rifle regulated and restricted under the NFA, the National Firearms Act from 1934. And, of course, that's wrong. It'll be overturned. But we're going to push back on it now with the bill that we've, we've introduced. Do you think also, Congressman, that the you, we'll see uh, the courts make the determination about this pistol brace rule the way that they did, the, the Fifth Circuit did with bump stocks? Yes, I do, because it's a restriction of, again, our rights. I know we keep saying mm-hmm. over it, it is true. And secondly, it's an accessory to a, to a handgun, to a pistol. It doesn't make it a short-barreled rifle. Not true. And certainly, again, you, you, cannot, you cannot retroactively criminalize what millions of owners who have these across the country. Yeah, yeah, it's just something that's, uh, it just, um, not how the process was in, was supposed to work, not how the process was intended to work, uh, at all. Now, I know that the March for Life is also happening. Uh, this, I think it's a start, it's today. Everybody's out in DC. Right. The March that's for right. Life is taking place. And I know that, that, that's one of the other things. You, you're, you've been a very busy individual because not only have you introduced the Pistol Act, but you've, you're also introducing legislation, uh, to further protect life. Tell us about this. Yes, and I'm, you know, I'm a big proponent of the Life at Conception Act. I'm 100% pro-life, always have been. Mm-hmm. I think it's the most important issue. The Dems have surrendered all the middle ground on that. They're the party of death, celebrate more abortions. But at the very least, uh, you know, we ought to provide some you know, minimal protections for life that we could all agree on. We had the Born Alive Act that we could only get one Democrat to vote on last week when we were in D.C. But my Teleabortion Prevention Act would quite simply say, you know, because now you're getting to where about half the abortion in the country are being performed through chemical abortions. And it says, hey, you cannot uh, have an abortion through chemical abortion without at least seeing a physician in person first, a physical examination to assess your risk factors to the mother, not just to the baby that's going to be terminated or destroyed, of course. Mm-hmm. But and, and you have to you have to have an in-person uh, uh, visit before the abortion, have, a, have to have a doctor present during the procedure, and you have to have a follow-up visit in person. So quite, yeah, you know, to try that to seems like common, that's decision. common sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's it's all it's uh, in saving lives. Representative Bob Good, we really appreciate your time with us today uh, representing the 5th District of Virginia. Thank you so much for introducing this act, the Thanks. Pistol Act, protecting individual sovereignty through our laws and, of course, also protecting life as well. Thank you so much again, and we'll be watching your fight. Thank you, Dana. Keep up the fight. Appreciate you. Of course. Thanks so much. Take care. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy that he that he's introduced this. And I think he made a really good point, not just on the situation with life, but I was looking at some of the points, too, with this pistol act. And he made a very good point. The NFA, and that's the National Firearms Act. That was the act that was passed back in the 30s. NFA was the thing that was passed after really was spurred on by the Valentine's Day massacre, which was carried out by mobsters against mobsters. I think it was like in Chicago when all that took I involved. What was it? It's like Capone's crew and all that. It's crazy backstory. Anyway, long story short, NFA does not have a statutory definition of a pistol. In fact, ATF regulation defines it. So you have something that's not even actual law that's defining what you can or cannot carry. Now, here's how it affects you, regardless of whether you carry or not. Can you imagine? Let's look at look at what happened with the CDC. The CDC got smacked by the courts because what did they do? During the pandemic with lockdown, it was determined that somehow having a moratorium on paying your rent 
was a health emergency. And by defining it as a health emergency, or trying to, the administration used that as justification for why they had the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, issue an edict demanding that there be a stop payment on all leases. Now, not mortgages, mind you. So the people who own the property still had to pay, but they couldn't get money from the people who lived in the property to pay the mortgage that they had to pay for the people living in the property. And so that went to court, and the court struck back. And what do they say? They told the CDC, you do not have the authority to create law. Now, if you look at what the ATF is doing, it is the same formula. You just plug in a different variable. You have an alphabet agency trying to create law out of a rule without congressional oversight. And it doesn't matter if it's for moratoriums on leases. It doesn't matter if it's on how to define a firearm or determine what you can or cannot carry. It is still a government agency of unelected officials who are trying to hijack the responsibility of Congress and themselves create law out of a rule. And then they want it to be treated as law during the period in which they go through the courts and they fight in the courts. So this, for instance, the pistol brace rule, well, that's being treated as law right now until that time that the courts determine it needs to be reversed in the exact same way that they did with the bump stock thing. Same thing with the CDC and the moratorium on leases. And they use that period to act as though, oh, we delivered. They know it's going to get overturned. But they use that period, that brief period from the time the rule's created until the time the court reverses the rule to say, well, we were, you know, we, we fulfilled this promise. It affects you because it doesn't matter if you carry a gun. This is even more about just the ATF. This is about every one of these bureaucratic agencies trying to exert congressional authority over your life, legislative authority over your life because of they think they can just create law. You want to know what's funny? So the ATF further that. And remember, just switch out the ATF for any other government agency. Switch out firearms for any other variable. I was talking to uh, someone who manages a bunch of vendors yesterday. And they were telling me FFLs, so at Federal Firearms Licensees, if you're filling out you know, your, your paperwork, etc., sometimes people were, fill, in some instances, they were filling out the forms. And you know how you know, it tells you where you where you live, you know, you got to give your address, you have to put your address in on the form. And then on one spot, in one spot where it said co, C-O, was your county. Some people interpreted that to mean country, and they put USA. I mean, it's not the worst mistake in the world. It's a little thing. But what they were doing is they were actually, the ATF was going in and shutting down gun stores because of that kind of paperwork stuff. And there is one guy who oversees all revocations of FFL. One guy in the ATF, one. There's not a board, not anything else. It is one bureaucrat who makes those decisions. Now, do you feel comfortable with unelected bureaucrats being able to exert that kind of legislative authority without being elected over any aspect of your life? Because if your answer isn't no, you kind of maybe need to recommit yourself to the principles of a republic. And that's what we're dealing with here. We have more to come. We're broadcasting from Vegas for SHOT Show, and we have more guests to come. Well, I got some wokery on the way for you. I know you don't want to miss that. I know I'm sick. Some of it's crazy. I don't even know what's wrong with people anymore. I'm not even joking with you. 
It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. Okay, so you remember me telling you guys, like every time that there's like a cold snap in Florida, it never fails. There are stories of fallen iguanas from the trees in southern Florida. And I was asking a, a friend of mine about this recently at an event. I'm like, you know, you live in you know Miami. Um, is it really true about the iguanas falling out of the trees? And the response was, I did not anticipate it. They were like, oh, my gosh, yes. And when it's a cold snap, case in point, this comes from Miami New Times. A Florida man was left bruised and bleeding after an iguana fell on his face during a Saturday yoga class in Miami. The instructor, Anna Margaret Sanchez, was teaching a free community class at Miami's Legion Park. And she also live streams it so people can take part at home. She told the paper that their class was held on a really beautiful day. They were doing their exercises for about 47 minutes. Now, they said the class was cut short when two iguanas who onlookers say were likely having a territorial dispute in the oak trees above started to create a ruckus. And amid their fight, one of the lizards either fell or was pushed via daily collar straight into one of the yogis. That's right, yogis below. And literally an iguana hit someone in the face. It was a guy only identified as Michael. And he told the paper he did not want to be identified because he did not want to be known as, quote, the guy who got hit in the face with an iguana. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's what he said. He did say, though, quote, I didn't see it coming. It felt like a sandbag hit me in the face. And he said, the first thing that went through my head was it must have been a coconut, but there were no coconut trees. And then I thought maybe the guy next to me slugged me. And I mean, we're in a yoga class and it's so calm and peaceful. Why would he hit me? Now, they said that the iguana, listen to this, weighed between 20 and 30 pounds and oh. fell from a branch that was 25 feet in the air. Holy crap. Now, iguanas are common in the area. They say that if there's any kind of cold snap, they will fall out of trees. This is the first time, though, that I've heard of them fighting in a tree. And then one of them trying to, you know, murk the other one by shoving it off the branch. And so they said that iguanas are common in the area. And apparently that particular park, there's a giant iguana that they think is over 35 or over 30 pounds. And they described that iguana as the king of the park. And I think that was the mean one that pushed the other one off. Now, this story's not done. Yeah. So they got him an anti-inflammatory tea. And Kane, they said that others, people were telling Michael that the fact that he got hit in the face with an iguana was a sign of luck. Really? And he, was, he said that he was told by numerous passerby to purchase lottery tickets to test his odds. Really? Okay, Florida, I'm going to need you here. Is it lucky? Is that actually a sign of luck if you get hit in the face with an iguana? Because this dude was like, people were telling me that that was a sign of luck. To get hit in the face with an iguana? I mean, I appreciate the optimism, but my little cynical mind is going to be like, that seems like that's bad luck. You got hit in the face with a giant lizard. That's bad luck. It's bad luck. We got more in store, folks. We have our, actually, third hour on the way coming up here in minutes. Stick with us. More of the Dana Show back after this. But we need to keep up our momentum and our resolve, and we need to dig even deeper. This is a decisive moment for Ukraine in a decisive decade for the world. So make no mistake, we will support Ukraine's self-defense for as long as it takes. Hmm. Well, that's Lloyd Austin. We're just going to keep, as Kane noted, printing money, I guess. 
for as long as it takes. It's going to print money. Welcome back to the show. Dana Lash here with you. Uh, it's uh, good to be with you. And it's Friday. It's a Friday. We made it to Friday. This is our last day broadcasting in Vegas. I, I mean, Vegas is interesting. If you like, we had really good dinner last night. And um, we always have one nice big dinner when we're here because normally it's you're running around like crazy and it's work, 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 work. And you don't, it can be overwhelming out here. But dry air. I actually like the way my voice sounds better. Someone asked if I was feeling unwell, one of you listeners out there. And I was like, no, that's literally what dry air does to me. I think I actually sound more awesome. And they're like, okay, go with it. I just was concerned. I thought that was so sweet. All right, so we have, I got some woke for you. We're also going to talk to Larry Keene of NSSF. They're in a weird spot because they got to play nice with the ATF that's got the booth here. And the ATF is like telling people about compliance and all this other. Oh, man, it's a weird, it's weird, you know. I don't envy that kind of position to be in. That's why I just, I don't, I would not be, I know, I know what, I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. And I would not be good in elected office. I would not be good trying to keep the peace between agencies that I don't think should exist and the industry that the said agencies that I don't think should exist want to regulate. So it's like a weird thing, right? So I just, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's weird. I don't envy that position because I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like a kneecap breaker. I, that's how I, everything's a nail if I don't like it. You can't be like that in these situations. So Larry Keene's got to have like the hardest job right now. We're, we're going to talk to him coming up. All right. A few things to make sure that we get into. The, we came in with, and we were telling you about the story. Uh, Biden says he has no regrets over his whole Oh my, my kept my documents everywhere. He has no regrets over this. That's what he's that's what he's saying. Now, in addition, we also have Congress that's fighting over a potential they I don't know, they're trying to stave off, I think, having this debt limit increase. And that's gonna kind of be that's gonna well it kind of be it's gonna be a brawl. Because Janet Yellen, let me pull this story up. This is over at The Guardian. Says U.S. hits borrowing limit, kicking off fight between Republicans and Democrats as it happened. And so we hit the debt limit. The standoff started. We've, I mean, we are at our legal borrowing limit. And so Congress has to either, they said, I love how they put it. Congress has to reach an agreement to raise it. The problem, though, is that they won't stop spending. And you, and they, that's the issue. If they stopped spending, you heard we, we just came in with that audio from Lloyd Austin. Where are we getting this money? We hit our debt limit. Where are we getting all this money to send to Ukraine? I'm just wondering. Printer. Yeah, the printer. Somebody's printer. I mean, our we borrow $4 billion a day. Just the news. Feds borrowed $4 billion per day, totaling $10,000 per household. Can you imagine? Look, guys. Kane just short circuited. I think he's gone. We can you imagine borrowing ten thousand dollars a day? Your household every day, every day, and never paying it back. Never paying it back. Seriously heavy debt. Now look, I'll say this, and the and keep in mind though the Trump administration only had half a term with Republican majorities. So let's keep that in mind. 
because I know people like to say, well, spending, you know, a lot of the deficit, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, please remember who is, who is running Congress, the power of the purse. Hi, that's right. So, and, and they had the numbers to get around him. So, yes, the, one of the problems, too, is that, you know, under the previous administration, we did have, we had a lot of, sp- we had tax cuts, but they also did not cut spending. And that's a major problem. You got to cut spending and you can't expect the taxpayers to pick up that burden. So they're borrowing $4 billion a day in 2022. Those are those numbers. That's about $10,000 per household. And the heavy debt is fueled in part by several trillion dollars in additional spending since Biden took office. Federal debt surpassed $31 trillion in the fall. That's a lot. And they said that it looks kind of bleak without any kind of changes or anything else. Yeah, I can imagine that. I would absolutely expect that it does. And so the borrowing $10,000 per day, I'm still flipping out over that. That's crazy. So now, Yellen was saying the Treasury has begun taking extraordinary measures. We have to make sure government has cash on hand until Congress acts. So they include a debt issuance suspension period lasting from today until 5th of June. They're suspending investments into government employee retirement funds. And so Chuck Schumer's like, oh my gosh, MAGA GOP, MAGA, MAGA, MAGA. It's not complicated. MAGA doesn't want to pay the bills. That's what he's been saying. That's all I've been hearing. MAGA, 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 MAGA. So now what are Republicans going to do? They hold the power of the purse. And some of these Republicans in very competitive districts have, I mean, and this is coming from the CNN reporter that, let me pull this up, that Republicans in swing vote, swing districts are demanding talks on debt ceiling and they push back on the White House's hardline stance. And a lot of, they come from districts, districts that Biden barely won or almost lost. And they said they're not willing to back a debt ceiling increase unless there's some kind of fiscal agreement. Now, the problem is that the, how, the, the White House does not have a fiscal agreement, nor do they think that they have the obligation to enter in one or present one to Congress. So how in the world are you, you, you want to raise the debt limit with zero budgeting? With zero fiscal accountability? Well, that's what they're pushing. And there's not going to be a debt limit increase. McCarthy can't, and I seriously doubt McCarthy would agree to it, uh, unless the only way I can see him agreeing with it or any Republican is if there's a majorly austere uh, financial agreement that is presented. And that's the only way I can see it. And I ain't seeing this administration do it. So who knows? I mean, what's I, I they've they're going to have to this is a this is going to be a brawl and, the, and their rhetoric is going to be crazy. Now. The White House and Democrats are all putting this back on Republicans. But it's Biden who is not wanting to negotiate. It's Democrats who are refusing. They're, they're saying this is our way or the highway. Well, you know, maybe you could do that when you controlled the House, but you don't anymore. You just you don't control the House anymore. So Democrats, they've been able to dictate terms for quite a long time. And I think people are finding that they've had enough of it. Really. And so that's really where we're coming in. So if they, I just, I can't see it happening. Democrats are saying, oh, well, this is the wrong time to address soaring deficits. Uh, maybe, when are they going to actually, okay, so here's the question then. If, 
when are they going to be willing to talk about this issue? Brian Rydell over at the Manhattan Institute had a really, he had a, I, I thought he made a great point because he's like, okay, you're asserting that the debt limit is, you, you cannot address the deficit right now. It's not the correct time, fine. But with 70% of spending and nearly all taxes on autopilot untouchable in the annual budget process, perhaps they can tell us when they would be willing to address the issue. Yeah, I mean, they've been trying to for quite some time. But we'll see. I don't know. They, but they, they're going to have to. They can't proxy vote. Remember, uh, just what was it? Uh, just yesterday, McCarthy said that there's no more proxy voting. It's effective immediately. Congress has to show up if they want their vote to count. They have to be there in person to make it count. And that's honestly, that's going to be. I mean, it is a tactic. That's like it is enough in a way to push Democrats on this. It really is. So. It's, we'll see. We'll, we're going to see how this goes, but I don't know, man. I'm telling you. Now, apparently more travel disruptions are on the way as well. Yay. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Pete. You're so great. This comes from Dallas News. United Airlines CEO is saying that travelers can expect more disruptions ahead. Scott Kirby is not naming names, but he's calling out carriers for flying too many routes with too few workers. And so you, the United Airlines CEO is saying that other airlines are not going to be able to handle all the flight plans that they want to operate this year. There's going to be a lot of disruptions. He said that there's outdated technology, a shortage of pilots and other workers, and it's going to put a strain on the FAA. Hey, can you remind me, I'm, I'm sorry, real quick, who in government would, would um, deal with that? Oh, you mean the transportation secretary? Yeah. Do we have like a department we of do. things that move and transport things? He's like, one of the uh, first transportation secretaries that does not do his job. You can't criticize him. What? He's gay. Oh. I was just talking about the job he is doing. He, yeah, but he's gay. Right, but I didn't. I wasn't talking about any of that. I was just talking about the job he's not doing. Yeah, but you can't talk about the job. You can't say he's gay, man. Oh. Well, I guess I didn't get that memo. You can't. You cannot criticize him because gay. Oh well. It means if you I criticize him, you're being homophobic. Yeah, I guess I'm something I'm gonna have to risk. Because see, criticizing his job performance or lack thereof is the same thing. And you know what's even more absurd as, is that the oh same thing as what? Sorry. No, I was gonna say it's the same thing as you know like being homophobic. Oh, yeah, I'm not homophobic. It didn't even really cross just, my mind. But but you but see if you if you criticize you can't because he's gay. Because yeah, and simultaneously, mm-hmm. this administration is now pushing for a federal mandate on airline travel to force you to wear masks. Mm-hmm. So do they think this is going to be helpful or more hurtful to an already struggling industry known as the airlines? I just think that the people who want to wear the masks wear them. Some of you, some of them need the, to wear the mask. There's some no of them law that says yeah, there's no law that says you have to wear a mask, and there's no law that says you can't wear yeah, a your mask. mask so, yeah, yeah, your. I mean, do your thing. yeah, your mask doesn't just, not work just because somebody else yeah, doesn't have one. Just be you and stop talking about me and worrying about me. Mm, yeah, I tell you. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Over one million French people 
are marching against raising the retirement age. They're protesting on the streets of Paris and other cities amid nationwide strikes against plans to raise the retirement age. But President Emmanuel Macron insisted that he's going to press ahead with the proposed pension reforms. So they've announced these new they've announced them these new strikes in that on January 31st and there so they're they said they were going to try to get the government to back down on these plans to push the standard retirement age from 62 to 64. The French they remember when they they started doing red light cameras over there they actually ripped out all of the cameras all the protesters did it was actually kind of funny. Uh, let's see car loans are falling into severe delinquency. Uh, this is this is bad. The auto crisis is worsening as rate of severely delinquent loans hits 2009 levels. They say the alarming number of Americans with auto loans are struggling to make their monthly payments and the performance saw further deterioration in December. The loan delinquencies jumped and of all of them, the most some of the most severe. I mean, they they've reached what the highest rate since the financial crisis about 15 years ago. And it's it's bad. And there's new data from Cox Automotive that sheds light on this. They said that the report said the report stated loans delinquent by more than two months increased by over five percent, jumped uh, almost twenty seven percent from a year ago. Thanks, Biden. Because everybody's broke now. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alarm bells are ringing on the credit card crunch. So the total amount of credit card debt has hit a new high. Uh, And this is from a couple of places here. They said that, uh, according to some of the reports, the Fed's crusade, remember the average rate across U.S. credit cards rose to an all-time high 19%. Cutting rates isn't, nobody is not doing anything to stop inflation and it's making everything worse. This is bad because so many people are purchasing things on credit. There's now some are saying that we're going to have a major credit crunch. That's going to be oncoming. I just, I keep hearing reports that say it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Netflix has blown away subscriber expectations. They added almost 8 million paid subscribers during the fourth quarter, more than the 4.5 million that Wall Street had predicted. This is the first quarter that Netflix's ad tier is reflected in its earnings, and the founder is stepping down as CEO. He's going to be executive chairman. So they've added more subscribers in the fourth quarter. They came out with some good stuff. They came out with some good programming. They also came out... They, they don't have as many dumb programs as they've seen on Hulu. Hulu's horrible. But... They've, you know, they've, they've, they've gotten some other stuff. And meanwhile, who do you have? Uh, Taylor Sheridan, who's, who's apparently doing everything over at Paramount Plus. So that's kind of interesting. He's doing everything. He's making all the content. And egg seizures at the border skyrocket. People are smuggling in food. It's crazy. Stick with us. I believe we may have Larry King coming up. So back after this here from Vegas. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. Welcome back to the program. Your lovable curmudgeon here. And you can listen to the radio program, Dana Lash, across the country, hundreds of markets. You can also stream it where you can stream anything. We have the simulcast suspended just a little bit right now. Just until we get back to Dallas. And, of course, we've been broadcasting from SHOT Show. That is the NSSF's industry event. And that stands for the National Shooting Sports Foundation. And joining us now is the guy who often, whenever there's NSSF anything, he's the one out there. Larry King. Larry King, who's the senior vice president. Why did I almost say Larry King? Larry King, I've known you for how many years now? Ten years. If I was Larry King, I'd be 
retired. Yeah, now. senior vice president. He's also general counsel of NSSF. Larry's been on the show a number of times. I've talked to you a number of times, and every time we're here, we're always in. You're always uh, in person, so it's good to be here, and it's good to have everything back to normal. I just referenced that before we came on air. I'm like, it feels like it's kind of back to normal again. It is back to normal. This is uh, we're back to pre-pandemic levels for attendance over fifty-two thousand. Uh, and uh, but we're large. This is the largest show ever in terms of square footage. We're 800, uh, just a little under 820,000 square feet of exhibit space, with the addition of the Caesar's Forum. So while the crowd is the same, it's a little easier to navigate the aisles. It's a little bit more dispersed, which is good. Yeah, I've right? noticed That's it important. seemed more spread out right. this year. So it, it's better for the exhibitors. It's better for the attendees that can get around. Um, so so it's a, and the feedback from the attendees has been mm. uh, and the exhibitors has been phenomenal yeah i mean people saying it's the best show ever they're so glad to be back in person you know last year we had a show you know, COVID was still sort of uh, impacting things some exhibitors couldn't come didn't come attendance was down um but you know we're back baby yeah do it absolutely and it's good to be back talking with larry keen with nssf uh he's svp and a, a general counsel as well uh one of the things that i you know i may mention we had chris barrett on earlier and i was telling him i'm like i it, what really amazes me about this is because there's such progression in the fire, firearms industry with tech such innovation mm -hmm. in a really short period of time and it seems like just when i first started coming to shot show and i can't remember actually when that was till now the expansion of smaller mm -hmm. manufacturers smaller vendors there seems to be a lot more than there ever has been which is awesome and that's pretty much like how every manufacturer starts and i wanted to ask you about that what has been that expansion for some you know for the for the mom and pop businesses the startups like what have you seen in terms of growth just in the past few years we've you know added square footage we've you know we used to have a long wait list uh, we fortunately don't really have a long list now for people trying to get into the show we've done things like uh, shot show next where people could have like a tabletop and get introduced we've got supplier showcase upstairs which has become wildly po popular being part of the show particularly for man you know the big manufacturers they can go see vendors they can source product from that they need for manufacturing but uh, you know a lot of small companies start out with a 10 by 10 typically in the lower level uh, and then they grow and they're successful and they come back year after year and then the next thing you know they're, they're big companies i mean so it's really an important it, it's critical for a lot of these small companies to come to the shot show it's how they could get introduced to the market uh, get get in front of dealers that are the the key attendees mm. walking the aisles and grow their business it's yeah. phenomenally successful and to have the freedom to to do that and expand that which is you know one of the things that you also have to keep an eye on so that brings me to the big you know everybody's been asking about this so i said this on air you know yesterday actually i think the first day we were here it's not new that the atf has a booth here they've always had had a booth here That's, ATF, yeah atf's been coming to the shot show like for 30 years since very very early on and it's important that they're here um, because you know this is an industry trade show the people walking the aisles are retailers licensees the manufacturers that are exhibiting are chiefly um, licensees and so it's important to have a dialogue between the regulator and the regulated industry and that's what takes place here the, the ATF booth is 
probably the busiest booth. Oh, I've at seen the it. Show. It's weird too because it's in. I thought it would be in the law enforcement section for some reason, and it's not. Why? <laughs> I had well, to there's, ask you there's that. Some, uh, because we we locate it, and Nix is here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we put it in the area where a lot of the newer exhibitors are, smaller ones. Is, so it draws people to that part of the show so that, you know, they get foot traffic in their booths as well. Uh, ATF sends a lot of people. You know, the director or whoever's the acting director at ATF has been coming. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember one that didn't come. Uh, they always come. Uh, Did the director important. always speak? Because you, you, we talked about Steve no, Devil's uh, speaking. He's a I mean... We would meet with the director, whoever it was, acting director, et cetera. Uh, but this director's actually made a point of, of speaking at the ATF uh, events, presentations, the town hall. We have a meeting with manufacturers, you know, and, it, and it's to discuss compliance issues, making sure people understand what their requirements are. Uh, we don't always agree, right. obviously, but we try to have a, a professional uh, dialogue. We can agree to disagree. We can, uh, you know, disagree in a respectful manner. Uh, you know, you're kind of like a referee, is what I'm well, gathering. Yeah, uh, you know, we and we've had, you know, I've had this conversation directly with the new director, and it's like, look, we're not always going to agree, right. but it's not personal. Um, and you know, so we've seen a lot of social media chatter. Why, why are we letting them here? They've always come. It's important. Right. And it's a great opportunity for our members and people in the industry to have an opportunity to have a face-to-face conversation and ask their questions to make sure that they are complying with the regulations so that they don't lose their license and get put out right. of business. So it's important, it, you know. And, you know, we always sort of talk internally. Like the people that complain about it are not in the industry and they're not – you know, coming to SHOT Show because it's a business trade show, right? It's not open to the general public. So no. uh, it, it's important, right? I mean, we, we don't want people getting put out of business because they didn't understand the regulations because they didn't get the chance to ask that question. And that's the and that's the key. We're talking with Larry Keene with NSSF because because I went over there to talk with him. And I mean, it's funny in that, but I legitimately had questions. I mean, I know I have a reputation of kind of being a you know, a bomb thrower, but there's a time for that. And then there's a time to ask, you know, real questions because I was, I was curious, regardless of what people think of like pistol braces and the bump stock, that's a whole other separate issue. I've always been interested in the practice of government agencies kind of circumventing the rule of law, administrative procedure, congressional oversight, whether it was with the CDC and the moratorium with leases during the lockdown or whether it's with ATF and then kind of looking to redefine things or relying on a rule as a definition as opposed to actual legislation, like with pistol, et cetera. And when I went to talk with them, and maybe it was just the, you know, some of the field agents and they were, everybody was very polite. It was a very nice conversation. But they, there was a little bit of a difficulty in their ability to just to to be able to answer a question beyond, well, we try to follow, we're following the letter of the law, and we're going to let the courts work this out, which is kind of almost an oxymoron because if you were following the letter of the law, it wouldn't have ended up in the Fifth Circuit, I think, to begin with. So well, I, mean, I was curious about that. Yeah, I mean, there is. You saw this in the Supreme Court in a recent case involving the EPA, where they pushed yeah. back essentially on the you know what people call the administrative state, uh, and the Fifth Circuit on on the bump stock, you know, thirteen to three, that they were essentially writing law, not implementing law, right. and so um, that's an important. Um, you know, we we 
comment in, in our letters where we think they're exceeding the scope of the statute. So, for example, and they like to say or argue, and they say it's because of court decisions, but like that it's a frame or receiver or readily convertible to a frame or receiver. But the statute doesn't say firearm is right. you know, a, a weapon right. or readily convertible a weapon. Right, so that is if you have a fully assembled firearm, you break it down to all its component parts, put it in a bag, that's right. readily convertible because you can reassemble it. B says frame or receiver. Right. It doesn't say B, frame or receiver or readily convertible to. And so they have uh, taken that readily convertible language from sub A and and applied it to everything, and we think that's wrong. Right. I, it's I'll confusing for the the. It's confusing for vendors. Well, and we've been having the conversation with ATF for as long as I've been around. When is a hunk of metal a frame or receiver, <laughs> and when is it a hunk of metal? And I like to joke. Um, that it, it's uh, it's the definition of gun porn. They can't define it, but they right. know when they see exactly. it. Then they say they, know they say send it in and we'll tell you. Right. Right. And because it's I I think it is very hard for them to sort of say. And even after this frame or receiver rule, the question remains: Okay, when does it cross this cross this mythical line? You mm -hmm. know, uh, and and they can't say. And so the phrase eighty percent receiver came up, you know, was sort of adopted as uh, sort of vernacular, but ATF itself uh, has used that term, even yes. though they say, we never use that term. Oh, like, yeah, yeah you, yes. you used it. But so, and I, I, I will guarantee you, somebody has uh, trademark 79% receiver, right? Yes. Like, and if not, I'm going to do it. That's, um, that would be. Yeah. And so <laughs> until it's a frame of receiver, it's not regulated, right? So um, it's those and, definitions. And it's weird because it gets down to you know, I mean, in some respects, wordplay, and I made mention to, you know, one of the agents, I said, you know, you're kind of splitting hairs here a little bit. Yeah. Well, he just sort of smiled, and I, for a second, I felt like there was a little agreement there. So I'll give you another example mm -hmm. where we think they have clearly written law that uh, and not implemented. It, in the um, frame of receiver rule, again, they say that if you're a dealer, a lot uh, – and you come into possession of a privately made firearm from a consumer, mm -hmm. right, for gunsmithing, right. Uh, you have to apply a serial number to it. Well, there's nothing in the Gun Control Act that imposes that, the requirement exactly. upon a retailer to serialize anything. The statute's very expressly clear. Manufacturers and importers have to serialize. Mm -hmm. And so we think that's another example. Hobbyists don't, yeah. Uh, you know, so maybe you could argue whether that's good or bad uh, public policy, but that's they don't get to write law right that's right. what the fifth circuit said exactly it's up to congress yeah and the fact that congress can be dysfunctional at times d doesn't change the law you don't get to write it that's the role of congress what's the talking with larry Keene with nssf what's the biggest fight that's before you right now uh i would say right now it's the uh threat of litigation against the industry that we've seen to start we we are seeing states new york new jersey delaware california Illinois is about to do it. Washington State just passed a bill out of committee. I saw that. Uh, it, it codifying so-called public nuisance claims, yeah. which is nothing more than uh, codifying a negligence claim, calling it public nuisance, and saying it fits within the predicate exception to the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. And so, you know, we can sue you. Individuals can sue you. So we've seen, for example, the city of Buffalo, city of Rochester, file lawsuits against uh, basically a huge swath of the industry, uh, 
you know, so it's an attempt to circumvent the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. We have a case that's in the Second Circuit uh, where Paul Clement is representing NSSF and the other industry members in the case. That, I think, is one of the biggest challenges. There is no doubt, it, it's clear, that the gun control groups are all working together, coordinating. They are working with Democrat AGs who are anti-gun, and they are working with these big white shoe law firms that are doing work pro bono. Mm -hmm. uh, and so um, it's an unholy alliance like we saw you know, 23 years ago or more and with the city lawsuits. I, I joke with people, uh, and this is gonna be a reference for only old people will get, but I feel like I've gone into Mr. Peabody's Wayback Machine <laughs> and they dialed it to 1999. <laughs> I, it does, I know, it does feel like that. We're again, we're talking with Larry Keene and SSF. I, I know I could sit here and talk with you. I mean, we're running out of time. I could talk to you about so many things. I mean, we could yeah. get into ammo imports. We could get into other imports. We could get into the advertising aspect, which is a whole other thing. Uh, that's a big, big issue as big well. Big right? issue. The California lawsuit. Uh, which opens law. up the door for so many things, not just firearms. So the other side knows, and they, they admitted this in a seminar they did or uh, with a couple of law schools, the gun control groups, that they don't have the votes to repeal the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms right. Act, not even close, right? right? Um, so, and I think other I think other companies would would realize the Pandora's box that would open and maybe kind of at least surreptitiously oppose. Like twenty something years ago, other industries understood the risk of these uh, public nuisance claims against the industry mm -hmm. that were sort of common law claims. Um, that the you know it's a Pandora's box, right? And it's nebulous. It's really um, we believe very firmly that the PLCA preempts right. these claims. This is, Congress said, you can't blame law-abiding uh, industry members right. for lawfully selling a non-defective product that is later misused. That's exactly. not a public nuisance. And that's, you know, and so... It's interesting. That's very similar. we got to get rolling, but that's very similar to the variable of 230. You can't be held liable for... Right. Interesting. Very interesting. We got to get running. Larry Keene, though, with NSSF. Appreciate what you do. Thanks, Thanks for, for being on. here. Thanks for putting on a good event. Uh, absolutely. Thanks for being here. Of Appreciate course. It. Absolutely. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. So we will be back in Dallas for next week when we join you behind the mic and the simulcast will return. It's a little difficult to do it out here. We, uh, It's just us out here. Uh, so... That's why some people were asking, "What is a simulcast?" Well, that's that's why we uh, we're not able. We uh, ask the first, <laughs> ask the first. That's all I can say. Uh, so, but that'll all be back on next week. And you can also, I have a, a couple of things coming for you on the uh, e the the show newsletter, Trevor and Verse over at Substack. And it's going to be some of the stuff from this week and some, you know, all kinds of good back, you know, background, backstory, back channel stuff. So behind the scenes. So you can you can go and check all of that out by subscribing on Substack chapter and verse. And I have the links up everywhere all over social media and Facebook. So it's really, really. And of course, at DanaLash.com. So it's very, very easy to find. So you won't miss it. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll have uh, an update for all this stuff. I'll be at the uh, Black Rifle Coffee booth coming up in just like an hour and a half or so. All right, today in stupidity. Oh, boy. We got? It's our Vice President Kamala Harris. You know, actually, in the last week, not only has Biden called her president, but so has KJP. But it doesn't matter. This is her version of talking to adults 
about electricity. Listen to this. Today, America has more than half a million miles of transmission lines, enough to wrap around the globe 24 times. Okay, These wow. lines connect Jeez. the power plants where electricity is created to what? homes and businesses and schools and hospitals across Gas, our coal? nation. Think about it. Every time you turn on a light <gasps> or charge your laptop oh yeah. or plug gosh. in your air conditioner what? Yeah, what or happens? put leftovers in the fridge... Where's that come from? Oh, she's still going. The power delivered. Oh my gosh! Good All right, Lord. we got to wrap, folks. That does it for us this week. God bless you. Have a great weekend. I will be back with you behind the mic on Monday.